are we doing, guys? My guest today is going to be Dr. John Hatch. Dr. Hatch is a functional neurologist who owns the Brain Rehab Clinic in Orem, Utah. Working out of that facility, John has created a headache relief device and several other innovative diagnostic and therapeutic equipment pieces with several patents pending. Dr. Hatch has also written a book, The Basis of Brain Rehab. I hope you enjoy John's journey of failures and successes so far. And please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Thanks, guys. And enjoy. And we're rolling. Dr. Hatch, thanks for taking the time, sir. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, I, uh, so just before we were getting on, we we're talking about, uh, you know, brain rehab uh, clinic there. And one of the things you just uh, were discussing was the uh, gyro stem. For yes. those out there that don't know, what is a gyro stem? Because I don't know what a gyro stem is. And I was like, I got to save this for the, for the start of the podcast. <laughs> and there's, oh, there's a lot of misconception of what a gyro stem is. There's about 26 around the world. We have one here in Utah. There's actually three in Colorado, which is pretty impressive. Okay. But there's one here in the state of Utah, and it's here at our clinic. And the gyro stem uh, is, um, a lot of people say, it's amusement ride. That's what our patients call it. <laughs> But you're actually sitting in a chair that has a five-piece harness, and okay. it will can can spin you in a forward or back roll and a left and right roll. Okay. So for people that have had traumatic brain injuries, whenever there's a concussion, there's always a vestibular concomitant. What that means is your inner ear system connecting to your brain gets distorted just a little bit. Right. And so with the gyrostem, we can actually rehab that canal to give the right feedback to the brain. A lot of people you'll hear or write-ups about it. It's the Epley's maneuver, which is taking crystals out of the ears. I do not take crystals out of the ears. It's not an <laughs> Epley's maneuver. It's okay. a specific pathway. And then once we get it working, you can actually use it for high-level athlete training mm -hmm. and find like, like for you guys in Freestyle Mogul, when you're doing like a 1080 D spin, like how fast are you spinning in that moment? Right. We can actually take it up to 30 revolutions per um, second. So that thing can get flying and there's yeah. actually targeting so you can work on your spatial awareness without just sending it off of a jump or even into water. Because as you know, as you were hitting in Park City yeah. and landing in that water, it wasn't as soft as everyone thought it was. Yeah, so, no, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely one of those things jumping into the pool and, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how far it's kind of come as I was, uh, I, I read your, uh, book here, basis of uh, brain rehab for those of you that haven't should uh, check it out. Super interesting. And it's just one of those things. Like when I started in athletics and everything else can cut, you know, football and skiing and wrestling, like concussions were not really that well. I mean, especially compared to now, right? Like it, it's amazing how much the science has changed on it. And like, I remember it was like, you get a concussion, like don't sleep, stay awake. Yep. Like, you know, and that is like, just from, you know, reading at the book, it's like, Oh yeah, you want to be in a dark room. You want to sleep. You want to let, you know, kind of allow your brain that, that rest and everything. So it's super interesting. And it's gotta be super interesting for you. Just how much that's kind of growing and the science is getting more and more advanced every day. Right. Absolutely. And that's the funny thing is, is for so long, we thought a certain thing, Mm -hmm. And the sad thing is, is as we learn new discoveries, there's so many practitioners that are still back here on the fence and they're like, oh, that, that, that doesn't make any sense. That's not what I've seen. Yeah. And what I realized is for me, I'm always, what's new? What's the next thing? How can I mm -hmm. progress? And how can I change 
what I thought was once happening is now happening. That's like with sleep. I tell everyone, everyone's like, yeah, I didn't let my child sleep. And I'm like, that's the worst thing you could have done. Let them sleep, sleep, yeah. sleep, sleep. And they're like, really? And it's been a big eye opener. There's some new consensus on new head trauma that it damages a dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, which is a specific area of the brain that connects to positive memory. So you'll okay. see a person get a concussion mm-hmm. and then six years, six months, eight months later, they start changing their, their drive decreases. They don't want to play this sport anymore. Mm-hmm. Their motivation, their hobbies, they just dislike things. They don't have the same relationships with their family members. And they think it's like, I just want this independence, but I've actually found it's more tied to head trauma, right? Then oh, just yeah. people dealing with vertigo and dizziness. I actually find it's more of a, anxiety, depression, uh, breakdown, post head trauma, more than anything else. I think the biggest side effect to head trauma is actually anxiety and depression more than it is just cognitive function. It's actual emotional regulation and how your brain perceives it. It's and the research is all there and I'm seeing it in clinic more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's pretty impressive. So, so how hard is it to try and be able to keep up with that research? Cause there is like so much information out there. Like how hard so is it to kind of weed through like, okay, this is kind of crap. This doesn't really seem that sound compared yep. to like, all right, this is really solid. Like this is good information to go on. That's probably the hardest thing. Cause as you know, every research out there, every information out there is very biased. Like who's promoting it, who's not promoting it. Sure. So luckily I have a staff uh, member who goes through and finds all the newest research on the newest uh, journals of medicine, on frontiers of neuroscience, and she just prints them off. I read them and look at them and say, okay, this goes with what I've seen, or dude, that is way off. Yeah. And, or I say, am I way off, and what can I learn from it? So even if there's not all truth in some type of subject, Right. There's something in there that somebody believes, right? That's mm-hmm. something that someone is seeing. No one's making a claim like, oh, this doesn't exist. Like looking back, why would we not let people sleep? We mm-hmm. didn't let people sleep because we were so afraid that if they vomited and then aspirated their vomit, they mm-hmm. could die. But just right. closing your eyes and going to sleep, you're not dying. It's only if you start having a brain, brain bleed. And the only way that's going to happen is if you vomit, then aspirate your vomit or choke on your vomit. And then you die. That's why people were so afraid of okay. that. So it's huh. not that in concussion, I don't think any of the information is truly false. They've just seen it in one case and they're generalizing it too right. much. And so I try to figure out is let's not generalize it. Let's see what's actually sound, what's actually happening. Because mm-hmm. the research shows no two head traumas are the same. So if no two head traumas are the same, then the rehab to that head trauma might be totally different, right? Right, Everyone else is like, oh yeah, every time I get a concussion, I just wear my glasses, I pop two Advil, I give it three days and I'm fine. And then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden this one is like, "Uh, that that didn't work this time. Why did it not work? (laughs) And then trying to figure out why it didn't work, which is why for me, specific diagnostic tools are probably the most important to a head trauma. It's really the diagnostic tools to then create the therapies that make the biggest difference, right? The gyrostem, I only use it if I find specific findings. People come in and like, I've had a severe concussion and all of their balance vestibular system looks perfect. I go, well, I don't need a gyrostem. And they're like, really? I came all the way over here. I flew from New Jersey to come and get in your gyro. And I'm like, 
do you want to fix your brain or do you want to just get in a room and get in a little <laughs> exactly. uh, ride? Like I'm pretty big on doing what's necessary for the brain versus mm-hmm. like, here's the cookie cutter system. Here's sure. a head trauma. This is the plan. And it's like every person is different. We all have too many variables and that's what doesn't get put into play. Mm-hmm. And I think we're too quick to say, ah, that didn't work for me. That means it doesn't work. No, that right. just means it didn't work for your particular issue. How hard is that because everyone is so different? I mean, is that part of the fun of, of the job and everything of like yeah. trying to dissect and figure out like, okay, this, this doesn't work for him. All right. This works. Like that's gotta be super, super hard. Yeah. That's the, I think to me, that's the most exciting about it. Right. That's mm-hmm. the thing. It's kind of like, you know, your, your course, you know, sure. how many bumps yeah. go down, you know, how many, but what makes you go again is not the same ride every time. It's like, okay, has that been tracked out? Can my body react if there's a divot and someone crashed on that bump? Like there's a part of you that likes the challenge of the unknown. What's the, what's the vision going to be? Sure. What's everything else? Same thing with me in clinic. Like that's my favorite thing is to go, okay, I've never seen this person. I've never met this person. What's their finding? And then I go in like, okay, based on all of their story, the breakdown is going to be right here. And then I go and look at those tests and there's nothing broken there. And I'm like, what? And then there's a new pathway and I'm like, holy smokes. And that's just where their brain. So for me, I don't go off of what I perceive. I go off of what I find. If I, whatever I find, I know that's some type of problem. And it's very specific because the eyes are so specific to the brain. They're the only sensory organ that activate every part of the brain. So when you look at eye movement and eye tracking, you can find out more about how the functionality of a brain is than anything else. Hmm. That's super interesting. Yeah, the eyes are so that they kind of give you the the in-depth look of, of what's really going on inside. And it's and it's live time, right? Because you see a lot of functional MRIs, you see a lot of MRIs. Like on an MRI, it's a standstill, right? right. And truly to see like trauma to a brain, you have to have damaged quite a bit of that brain tissue for it to show up on an MRI. I had one study that said you needed to have 70% damage. And I was like, well, if you're at 70% damage, that's really bad. But what about the person that has 30% damage and you don't see anything? You're like, oh, my brain looks good, right? Functional right. MRIs too, it's, it's, an, it's, it's in that moment, what's being said, what's being asked. And the, the, the rad thing about the brain is because it's always changing, it's always adapting, you gotta look for rules of functionality. And what okay. we see is in the eyes, there's very specific rules that should occur. I mean, the neuroscience research on like ocular motor function and brain is mm-hmm. so high that you can get so deep into it that you could literally sometimes chase your tail forever based on like a finding. I think I had one patient, it took me 52 different brain exercises before I got one eye that was pulled in to go straight. 52 yeah. different brain exercises. That was That's a little crazy. annoying. Yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 we got it. And once we got it, it changed. Again, this individual had a head trauma. I'd been working on him for six months. But okay. in the darkness, that eye just came in. And it was not going away, no matter what I was doing. And finally, I created a different brain exercise than I had ever created. And sure enough, pop that eye straight. And I was like, okay, that's what worked for that patient. So and then I tried it on another person. It didn't it work at all. <laughs> 
So, so when you see like that, that, that eyes off, what is that usually like telling you is go is wrong in the brain for them? What, what, what's that issue? So I usually basically, I mean, it's high neurology. Like if there's an eye that's in, like most people say, okay, it's a breakdown in the dorsal vermis of the contralateral cerebellum, but to the lay person and not the, not the lame, but the person (laughs) that's not like the person that hasn't spent their whole life in neurology, Mm -hmm. the nice way is to say, okay. I'm always looking at two things when I see an eye issue. Mm-hmm. Is the eye in because they don't know where they're at in space? Like, is their brain think they're over here, even though they're actually right here? There's a right. difference of like perceived center of pressure and actual center of pressure. So that's the first thing I ask. Is okay. this a perceived thing? Like sometimes that left eye comes in because they think they're rotating. So the eye's coming in. Or, so it would be like so it'd be like if you're like touching your nose with your eyes closed and where you think your nose is, you actually hit your chin or something instead, yep. right? Okay. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And then so that's the first thing I see I, I think about. Is it perceived? And then second, is there trauma through the loop of that pathway? Um, is it actually like is it an eye muscle, right? Is there right. a breakdown in the muscles? Has it been damaged to the eye? Or is it just a loop? Mm-hmm. And if it's just a loop, then you can make great changes to both perceived, perceived center of pressure and perceived like where do I think I am in space versus sure. where I actually am. And that's what causes people to crash again, right? They right. get back from their concussion. They're too early. They don't know where they're going. They do their D-spin that they've done 700 times, right? And <laughs> right. then they go do it mm-hmm. and they clip their front ski because they're off just two degrees Right. And they injure again, and then it becomes so problematic. Well, it's problematic in so many different things, right? I mean, I imagine you got to have a lot of uh, football players kind of rotating through there after they. Yep. You know, I feel like uh, you football, know, you're, you're a quarter, quarterback. Yep. You get a perceived rush, and you know, you know, you don't have that spatial awareness, or you're off just a little bit, and then next thing you know, you're yep. down again. Yep, and especially like here in the mountains, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Utah, we got mountain bikers. Yeah. We got like skiers, like, I mean, it's just anything and everything involved, but like lacrosse has been a big one because so many kids, like not not that lacrosse is like the weak sport of the world. I mean, they're super yoked and strong, but you also have the kid that didn't want to do tackle football Mm -hmm. and he goes out there with a lacrosse and a stick and some powerhouse just checks him (laughs) and they're like, it's not like they're on ice where they're all slippery. So you get checked on ice, like, there's a lot of concussions in hockey but it's actually found that it's less than even in lacrosse because you're on an unstable surface so when you get checked everything just slips and your momentum just moves with you but in lacrosse you're running this way looking for a ball and a guy just checks you and it's like these big guys on these little guys with these helmets and like it's i find like lacrosse is (laughs) really tough on that on that brain so So, so it's so much passion and so much enthusiasm coming from you. Like, I, I just got to ask, like, where does that, where does that drive kind of come from for you and, and the passion for the brain? I think it came from because I had a traumatic brain injury. Okay. I was a young kid that loved sports. I played every sport except ice hockey because <laughs> I didn't know how to skate right on ice. But I am in thir- I was 13 years old. I was playing okay. tackle football with my buddies and I got hit in the back like I got swung like super like basically 
suplex. Over the shoulder. <laughs> suplex. That's yeah, the word I was looking suplex. for. And I hit my head so hard against the ground that I blacked out for 18 hours. I don't have anything. I was down cold for about an hour. Then my brothers came, like got me finally awake, I guess. And then I tried to walk home. That was only about three blocks away. And they played for another hour and then walked up the hill where the, where the parking lot was to then walk home. And I'm standing there and they're like, dude, go home. And I'm like, I don't know how to get home. And so then I came out of that concussion. I woke up the next day and was like, what just happened to me? And like the dizziness, the, the bell rung and mm-hmm. I loved sports. So I wasn't going to stop sports. Like I returned yeah. to sports probably six weeks later. Every yeah. time I played soccer, I played, I, every time I took a header, it would just make me nauseous and dizzy, but I told nobody. I just kept taking traumatic brain injury after traumatic brain injury. Yeah. But what it started to do is it started to really affect my grades in school and affect my focus and affect my relationships with family. And I was like, what is going on? And then I started getting into school, working through school and started learning about rehabbing brains. And I started rehabbing my own brain. And I saw that I could go from a kid who was, I mean, I graduate college and I read at the speed of about a fifth, sixth grader. Like my speed was like 185 words a minute. Yeah. And I'm like, um, how did I become a doctor? And I can't even <laughs> speed. I can't even read fast. I can't even, I can't even spell words very well to then become really good at all of these things by starting to apply my own therapy to myself. And then I saw myself change and I realized no one has to live like this. You don't have to live in this brain cloud and this brain fog, right? I want to excel. Even as a doctor, I've had five more concussions from skateboarding and snowboarding and skiing and everything. Because <laughs> right. I'm like, let's go. I want to do everything. And then, but I come in and I rehab my brain. Like for me, I'm actually not scared of CTE. I know that's the big topic of concussions. Sure. But the, the challenge I always ask people that have been right, right now, every mm-hmm. NFL that dies and has a biopsy, they're mm-hmm. finding CTE. CTE, yeah. But my question is, did any of them do brain rehabilitation? Mm -hmm. So at this point, we don't have that study. We don't have that proof. But when I can see a brain not functioning and watch someone's brain go south in Alzheimer's or dementia, and I start to do brain rehabilitation, and that brain starts to come back, the truth is the brain can keep repairing as often as you're willing to activate it correctly. And so the passion in me is, you don't have to live with anxiety and depression. You don't have to live with vertigo and dizziness. Like you can have the joys of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you tear your shoulder, I might never throw a ball again, yeah. but that doesn't mean I don't have to be fit and exercise and have happiness in life. Sure. Right. You might yeah. blow your knee out and say, well, I'll probably never run again at that level, <laughs> right. but that doesn't mean you can't be fit, feel good about yourself and be confident in life. And so, that's where my real passion comes from. And that's what drives me every day is I get here to work and I'm like some kids suffering, right? Mm-hmm. I have addiction. Most of my patients with addictions have head trauma untreated and they can't get out of the addiction loop because they have a hidden concussion that's just like plaguing their brain. I had one that was a meth. Um, uh, he was a heroin addict. Sorry, not meth, but he was addicted to heroin and been in prison over seven times. And it all started about six months after he fell off the roof of his buddy's house when they were trying to take basketball shots and do trick shots off of the, off of the garage. Right. Mm -hmm. And fell, hit his head, thought nothing of it. 
And then six months later, he's into hard narcotics and didn't even realize it. And now is doing so well um, that he can hold a job and have a family and yeah. not be suppressed and bound by this addiction. And so that's where like the drive in me just comes because the ability to change a brain is endless. If someone's yeah. anxiety, if someone's depression, if someone's addictive to something, if someone is just not thriving in life, mm-hmm. it's only because their brain isn't working. Like give the brain a chance, yeah. right? A lot of times we turn just to straight psychology and it's like, it's basically like, let's go back to, we have like our brain's a computer. You have a hardware system and you have a software system. Yep. You can put all that software on there you want, but if you got a 1990 computer, <laughs> it ain't running, right? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. that's kind of how I've seen it. And I've realized that people can change, like brains can change. You can make a difference that nobody thought possible, which is why like that driving me, because I've seen it. It's yep. not like, well, like this works sometimes. Like I would say on average about 85 to 90% of the patients that walk into our door get mm-hmm. results that they never thought possible. And then there's the 10%, 15% that are like, I didn't really notice much change, but I feel better, but I don't notice much change, right? It happens yeah. because I can't find everything, but sure. the changes are so high level that that's why we're, I'm a waiting list that I have. I don't market who I am. I just, get yeah. to go in there and rehab someone and someone's like, Oh, I have a friend. I have a loved one. I have this, I have that. And right. it just has built such a practice that it's self-sustaining and it's so exciting. So, I mean, that's awesome. So, so how long does that take per pay, like on a patient to patient basis? Like what would you say yep. is kind of the, I think in the book you said about three to five months. I mean, yep. and, and, and a three to five months is about what it takes. It's about, about what it takes. And is that like, uh, cause I feel like, for some people, it's got to be a little bit easier. Like how much does that, because mm-hmm. a lot of it's on the person, right? They come, you yep. come in, you got it. Like, okay, you got to do some extras. This is what we got to do to kind of get you a little bit rewired. Right. And yep. how, what is the failure rate from some of the pay? Like, I feel like some of those patients, like everything else in life are not going to go through and do all the steps every day. And like, Oh, I'm not seeing results. What's it? Well, yep. And that's the biggest thing. You're a hundred percent. And that's where like, I feel like I have to keep that high level of intensity Mm -hmm. because they got a higher probability of doing it with a positive coach. That's just in their corner. Like you got this, you got this. But what I've seen is like an acute head trauma. Mm -hmm. They're usually solid in four weeks, four Mm -hmm. weeks after an acute head trauma, a general brain will recover all on its own. Mm -hmm. If symptoms last longer than four weeks, you know, you don't have a, just a concussion. You have a mild traumatic brain injury. It's like gotcha. above a concussion. Yeah. And so if it's due to that, we can usually get them feeling themselves within three to four weeks. The hard part is, is then do they continue their brain exercises for three months? But what sure. I've seen is if patients do do their exercises, mm-hmm. they get results, which is why I'm saying like 85 to 90% sure. get better. Yeah. It's because I'm drilling them about exercises. But there are the 10% that don't do their exercises. And I'm like, man, you're not going to get any change if they don't do their exercise. I always say, this is 100% on me if Mm -hmm. you do your part. If you do what I ask you to do, I take all the responsibility whether you get better or not. If you don't do anything that I ask, I'm taking zero responsibility. (laughs) This is all on you. And that's, again, that's been the, the hardest challenge in practice. For me, it's not necessarily finding the right exercises. I think I can find it. The problem is what is motivating the person to do it, right? You guys as Olympic athletes, 
you will do anything your coach says, no matter what, at what sure. time and yeah. anything. So when I'm like, Hey, I need you to do this brain exercise. He's like, well, okay. You know, like yeah. you and Panther, it was like the general person I'm asking do it three times a day. And Jay's like, well, three's good. I'll do it 30 times a day. And he's sitting there doing a brain exercise. <laughs> exactly. You're like, dude, you don't need to do that much. But that, that drive in you to get to your elite level wants to pay the price. We're willing to pay the price. The average person that's lost all that motivation, it's really hard in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But then once it gets established, they, they, they get it and they click and they, and they make the difference. But in, like you said, consistency is the key. People always ask me, does the gyro fix it? I'm like, no, the gyro stabilizes it. Your brain exercises will actually fix it. Right. So I can see more change in three months of brain exercises than three months of gyro stem. Like I've done gyro stem where I've done it over 30 times and I didn't really notice much difference from gyro stem number 20 and gyro stem number 30. So it's like, okay, I haven't been in my own gyro stem for over a year and a half mm -hmm. because that pathway's working. But I do at home brain exercises every day because I want my brain to the next level. I want that higher level function. Sure. And there are things we can do as humans that improve improves our brains so we can be 70 and still functioning, not 70 and ready to kick the can. Yeah. No, that's definitely, uh, it's interesting, you know, just going into uh, when you were talking about that CTE earlier, like I'm curious what those results would be if you have, you know, former mm -hmm. football players kind of come in. Have you, I mean, have you seen people that have come in uh, after retired after football and kind of been like, you know, I've definitely hit my head a bunch and, and mm -hmm. I was there. Cause I feel like they gotta be pretty driven to, to, to make that progress. Right. I'm sure yep. that that information's out there and it's scary. I mean, it, scares a lot of athletes not only you know yep. whether you're in extreme sports or uh you know whatever whatever you're doing i mean contact is in most sports you know yep and <laughs> and i and i and i that's the thing i've noticed the most is i would say like i've had only two like ex nfl players come and say okay i really want to do this like mm -hmm. i want my brain to work better and mm -hmm. i believe i challenge any nfl player any like true athlete that's been concussed sure. so many times come let's fix the brain and then let's run a test and make the commitment that hey when you pass away let's do a test i don't care yeah. if it's 30 years from now but 30 years from now we can have clinical data that proves these are the 10 athletes that dr hatch took and sure. these are the ct cte scans on them and they have record of over 30 concussions 40 concussions 10 concussions because right now Every football player that's being biopsied or an autopsy post is positive or has CTE in them. Yeah. But I think you, we could change that. It's just, sadly, they're like, ah, I don't know. It's crazy how their motivation changes, right? Because their yeah. brain starts going south. Instead of, like, getting on it, we just live in Western medicine, and it's like, all right, we got to take some medication. You got to change lifestyle. But they don't really rehab the brain to mm -hmm. get the system to function on its own, which I think is the biggest problem with the buildup of CTE. We know it's a bad protein that's yeah. built on the brain. So what are you doing to activate that brain? Mm -hmm. So well, and it's it, part, that's, I mean, a, it's that's like thing. a challenge. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's part of the I, thing with yeah. those con concussions, right? Because I mean, it, it alters your state and it alters like your thinking. So as you talk about, you know, with, with, with yourself, right, your motivation goes down, your, your learning gets you, you, you know, you're not quite as happy. And then it's all just a, a vicious cycle that you know yep. um it makes it hard to be motivated right to try and yeah. change that when you're it, stuck and you don't realize it right 
100%. And that vicious cycle is the hardest because then the negative talk starts wiring and you wait negative talk yourself for three months. They talk always talk about things that fire together, wire together. That's like the neurology world, the psychology okay. world. Donna yeah. Herbs came up with the coin, the phrase, things that fire together, wire together. But I would challenge you that if things that wire together, fire together, that means things that fire apart, wire apart. So right. if you start wiring that negativity, mm -hmm. you're going to wire the negativity. So the positive world is like obsolete to you. Sure. And so yeah. then the drive to change, the motivation to Mm -hmm. shift is like no and then you go into the woe is me poor me mm -hmm. and then you see the abuse in the um alcohol or the substance abuses and yeah. those other things because they just wired it instead of like stop and take that action make a change mm -hmm. you don't have to live like that well it's what the uh, condition creates behavior right mm -hmm. conditioning kind of cre creates that behavior so it's just uh it's like <laughs> Uh, fat bastard in uh, Austin Powers. I eat because yeah. I'm unhappy and I'm unhappy because I eat, right? It's a vicious cycle. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what the truth. I mean, that is it to the T, right? Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. And again, you can't change that unless you're willing to go change the hardware. And that's where mm -hmm. people try to do these self-help books and this positive, you know, psychology of all motivation, just talk the good talk. Yep. But if you have a hardware system that isn't letting you upgrade your software, yeah, all the positive talk in the world isn't going to change it. That's mm -hmm. the thing that is so frustrating for these people in concussions. Like, yeah. like the gentleman that I was dealing with for six months, he told himself, I can get better. I can get better. He couldn't even be, he couldn't walk up and down the stairs more than three times without getting a headache. And now it's been a year since, mm -hmm. I, since we fixed his system and he runs on average seven to nine miles a day That's with crazy. no headaches no, no dizziness headaches, totally. no nothing yeah. like and this kid was down for 18 months mm -hmm. 18 months and That's just crazy. couldn't like even go up and down stairs and he spit it wasn't like this was like a super lazy human being he was a star football player mm -hmm. um and brain just got, got hit it. a lot <laughs> got hit a lot got hit a lot so for you know your your schedule is so busy, right? You're you're mm -hmm. jamming, you're moving. Like, what what helps you kind of prioritize every day? Like, one of some of the kind of some of those habits that you know we talked we talked about some of those positive habits and yeah, and creating some of that. What are some of those things that uh, you use that kind of help you uh, stay on track day to day? Because I feel like you got a lot on the plate. So how do you yeah. how do you kind of prioritize that? So one of the first things that I always do in order to like give all the service that I can to my patients. Mm -hmm. I take care of me. I'm super selfish in the morning. Okay. I wake up, I'm married. I have two kids and mm -hmm. I've told my wife, don't ask me to do anything from 5am to 8am. And I wake <laughs> up and I exercise for two hours, sometimes more yeah. per day. And I listen to audiobooks. Most okay. people exercise to gym stuff and like yeah. motivational music. I ain't got time for that. Like I would love music, but yeah. I actually listen to books on tape. I'm looking to self-help talks. I'm looking okay. at um, business books, growth. Like I want to grow my intelligence sure. and my brain area that was damaged the most in my concussion was my temporal lobe. So okay. my short-term, long-term auditory processing was broken. And so I do brain exercises by physical exertion while listening to audiobooks. And it's funny because when I get in a car, 
and I listen to my audiobook, I listen to it at about a 2.8 speed. So instead of you and I talking like this, we're talking like this, and I'm trying to understand everything that's going on. I'm just like flying. And it's funny when I read a when I'm driving, it's too fast. I have to slow it down. Okay. When I'm running or on a bike, yeah. it's as if it's in slow motion. Huh. And because of my mo- my functionality of my brain, I can process high executive memory at 2.8 speed. So like this year, I set a goal to do 100 books, and I'm at 56 right now, wow. audio books. And la- the most I've ever read in my life is maybe 20 up mm-hmm. to this year. Last yeah. year, I only did 13 books. This okay. year I was like, I'm going to commit, I'm going to do a hundred books and I'm going to run an ultra marathon and I'm going to do, try to do a triathlon and I've done triathlons. I'm training to get ready for a full Ironman. I haven't accomplished it yet because they got COVID shut it all down this year. Right. But so I train in the morning. I make my priority about my physical health and mm-hmm. about my intellectual ability. So that's learning from everything out there, psychology, self-help books, business books, yeah. um, anything and everything. What's been and your favorite then, so far? Ooh, that's a great question. Or I guess, I mean, with so, that many books, it can't be just one. You got to have like a top yeah. five or something. So I mean, that's I'll, crazy. I'll, give you, I'll give you like my top three. Okay. So from one of my favorite books ever, like on growing wealth and business is mm-hmm. uh, the late, the legacy journey by Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey always talks about um, um, getting out of debt, getting out of debt. Well, that gave me an entire panic panic attack. I've had panic (laughs) attacks because of Dave Ramsey. So Dave, if you're hearing this, you gave me a panic attack boss. But his born, his uh, legacy journey taught me of why I'm trying to grow wealth Mm -hmm. and why I'm trying to give back and for my children and for my family. So that was probably my my number one book, right? That was set aside. That's been my number one book. Um, I love uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but I love the eighth habit, not the seven habits, but the eighth habit because it pulls all seven. Stephen R. Covey's, right? Stephen R. Covey, bestseller, million Mm -hmm. dollar, right? And then Probably one of my second bet, my, my last one that I just read is actually called Grit. Grit. And oh, actually, uh, I, have that, uh, I have that book. I haven't gotten to it yet. So. Yeah. Okay. And it talks about, because I'm, I was an athlete, but I was mm-hmm. never the best in the world, right? I wasn't, I always was first team everything. I was on the premier teams. I was on these elite teams, mm-hmm. but I didn't become a college soccer player. I didn't become a professional in anything that I did. Mm-hmm. But the joy of that I found in grit is I get to become whatever I want to become, right? Yeah. So my grit is how long can I go, right? I ran a mile the other day faster than I ran in any of my high school days ever. And I'm 39 years old running mm-hmm. a faster mile time than I did in high school. Yeah. Like that's impressive. So to me, it's about consistency and about grit. So mm-hmm. those have been like my three favorite from like, because so, um, I always work on finances. I always work on uh, like self help mm-hmm. and like that psychology, that that grit to keep going, like okay. the powers to be. And those have been like the three top books that I've like leaned on that I've wanted to read or listen to. Okay. I mean, CEO business books are yeah. always fun too, sure. learning from people. But yeah. for me, it's like how can I improve? And so mm-hmm. that's my mornings. And then I can give everything at work. And then as soon as work hours off, 
I am dad and I get to be dad and I don't think about myself. I don't think about the business. Mm-hmm. I just get to be a dad. And so that's, again, that's the joy. Like to me, it's icing on the cake. I yeah. put in the work in the morning so I can so just all chill, even, yeah, chill all yeah. and just veg out and just get to be dad, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Too many dads in the world are too busy thinking about business and taking calls and doing all that. Mm-hmm. And that's not the dad I want to be. My sure. life is about being a dad. Like I want to be the dad who can still physically go, right? I want to yeah. be the dad who's like, I want to be that dad who still beats my kids in every sport, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and motivate them to, to do it. I mean, my five-year-old just learned to ride a bike yesterday and he did it on his own because awesome. I was at work all day. And he said, dad, now I can ride a bike. Now I can do an Ironman with you. And I was like, <laughs> well, son, like you're getting close, buddy. You're getting, you're getting close. close. But that driving him like that, fact that he's seen my drive every morning he wakes up and I'm finishing my run and he's running down the stairs and he goes, how far did you run today, dad? Like I'm yeah. trying to show him by example that mm-hmm. you can do anything if you're willing to put in the time. Yeah, at the time. And the so work, right? that's kind of been the balance. The hard balance is then progressing in the neurology which is why I do that with my office manager. Like I got to manage all my time. And so she'll come in and say, Hey, these are some, these are some, um, like I've just found a new paper on anxiety and I'm studying it and reading it and then trying to apply it. But I feel like the habit is super important. And then I'm, I'm someone who doesn't stay up late. I go to bed because like early to bed, early to rise. Right. That's the world that I live in. And I've studied the successes of everybody that's like really up there. Mm-hmm. And they, if you look at them, it's not some like secret recipe. They sure. all wake up early. They all yeah. read a lot. They all exercise. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, let's just do those three things and yeah. see how <laughs> I do. Exactly. And sure enough, like everything about my life has just increased by just doing those three things, like mm-hmm. good sleep, exercise, and reading, yeah. like constantly progressing in that brain functionality. Yeah, this has been the first year where I've really gotten into audiobooks. I'd never done it mm-hmm. until this year. Uh, last year was a big, I read 12, a book a month was kind of my goal yep. last year. So yep. I, you know, made my way through. And then this year I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta do some of those audiobooks too. So that's been, mm-hmm. uh, it's been really good. I, I, the interesting thing though, is speeding that up. I've never thought about actually speeding up some of the audio there. Uh, so yep. I might, might have to, might have to tinker with that a little bit. You'll, yeah. you'll like it. And, yeah. and if you do it while you exercise, cardio becomes like enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I hated to run. I never ran prior two years ago, other right. than playing soccer, I never yeah. ran over three miles. And now I average about 50 to 60 miles a week. Okay. And I just did an ultra marathon at 52 miles here in uh, Utah last month. And wow was really successful and just audiobooks. People are always like, what are you listening to? What music? And I'm like, I'm listening to audiobooks. And they're like, what? <laughs> I got not And but again, it's like I get I've gotten 54. I, I know yeah. I can hit my goal of a hundred. And it's like, mm-hmm. dude, this is awesome. I mean, these aren't short books, but I don't have the time to sit down and read. Yeah. Especially for me as being a dad. Like yeah. I don't yeah. want to go home and be like, what's up, son? I gotta read this book. Yeah, and yeah, I'm trying sure. to be smarter. It's like, dude, I don't have time for that. So mm-hmm. how do I put the things into the world that can allow me to excel? And that's mm-hmm. what you're seeing. It's like, how much time do you have in a day? We all have the same time. Yeah. But what are we hours. doing with that 24 hours? But yep. what... There you are. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, it's all good. 
So, yeah, I mean, it, it is that 24 hour time period. It's kind of, you know, you got to make sure you, you make the most of it. It seems like you're definitely, you have it broken down pretty well. And it seems like it's got you in a, in a good path. Have you, yeah, uh, have you listened to uh, the cool impossible? I've, cool. I've read it. So that oh. it's a, it's a book on running. So that's okay. That, that could be a good one for you to, uh, to okay. check out. They kind of, I actually, a little bit of technique, running technique, yes. and running ultra marathons and all that stuff. So the, the cool impossible. Yeah, it was really cool. Really impossible. Okay. Yeah, that's my next book. Sure. So. I read Born to Run, but okay. I never read Cool Impossible. So yeah. that's my next book. I got yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So going through, I mean, all this this drive. Who who are some of those people kind of growing up what, 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 that like mentored and kind of inspired you and, and helped you along the way? Because I mean, you so got for, the drive and dedication, yeah. and it's it's evident. It's you know you yeah. use it, so it's awesome. I think I think that first started with my dad. dad like yeah. my dad, he every day I woke up. He was sitting on uh, the couch, no matter how early I got up, if it was five, four, he was on the couch reading. He was okay. always reading. And this is a man who didn't graduate college. Mm -hmm. So for me to see that type of drive, he loved doing sports, he loved exercise, but he never pushed any of us. Like mm -hmm. he gave up playing professional uh, baseball to start a family, to, he had a Porsche when he got married and in order to pay for his first child he sold his Porsche and so I think that mindset and that story has just been told from uh, my father and then obviously I have four older brothers and they're all driven and uh, the competition of brothers is yeah. real as oh, everyone on this yeah. knows <laughs> and so my brothers were so much older than me and excelling in their sport there was always this I'm the baby I want to prove to them that I can hang with them when yeah. I'm their age I want to be better than they were. And so sure. the drive really came from those two people. And then once I got in the field of, of neurology, mm -hmm. this field, right? I never care what people become. Like if you become a lawyer, you become a doctor, you become a garbage man. To me, do you do that at the best you can be? Do you make the system that you work for better? And so there was always this drive in me. Like as a young kid, I used to look at sky rises. I grew up just outside of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I was like, who owns these things? Like, how do you get <laughs> to that level? So right. from a young um, I always wanted to see if I could get to that level. And mm -hmm. so I don't own a high rise right now. And if I <laughs> ever do, that's okay. Right. But it doesn't mean I'm not trying it. It yeah, doesn't mean sure. that I'm not thinking about it constantly. Mm -hmm. um, and to get that next level is the ultimate goal for me is just, just constantly progression, this life of progression. Like mm -hmm. we were told in sports, practice makes perfect. And I yeah. think that's the biggest lie ever, ever because no one makes, no one is perfect. Yeah. But practice makes permanent and progression is real. And so for me, it's like, that drive of progression started in as a, as a doctor and then it's just progressed and progressed and progressed. And I want to be the best doctor I can be in every way. That's mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like it feeds into that uh, personality for you of just kind of addicted to, to really trying to uh, reach that high level of achievement. Yeah. I almost feel like there's a part of me that struggled so much for so long. Mm -hmm. I wasn't the gifted kid in school. I always thought I was dumber than everyone. Mm -hmm. To then like push myself to, well, now that I have a working brain, what am I capable of? Yeah. What am I actually capable of doing? And so to me, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so that's the joy of like 
oh my gosh, I can try this. I can hit this next level. Mm -hmm. So it's really awesome. No, that's, uh, that's, that's crazy to think. Uh, I, and I love hearing about how structured and, and the drive. I mean, it's really, uh, it's, it's great to hear. So where do you think the future of, of neurology and, and everything is, I mean, as we were talking about earlier, the science behind it and everything, there's new information every single day coming out. I mean, what do you think it looks like in the next few years here? That's a great question. I think in the next few years, this will eventually become the norm. Like caretakers, everyone will be looking at the brain. I don't care if you're a physical therapist. I don't care if you're a chiropractor. I don't care if you're a dentist. You will look at every aspect of the brain. ER doctors, uh, everybody's going to start looking at what can we do to the brain. We're, people are going to be stuck in their ways. There's yeah. no question. But there's enough of us that have been like changed by functional neurology, by brain rehabilitation, mm -hmm. that people are going there first and foremost over anything and everything else. Right. No. So I, I think we can get there. I don't know how long it's going to take. Might be five more years, might be 10 more years. But I think 15 years from now, I, I could see people just like, this is the norm. Everyone wants to make a difference. Everyone wants to improve. Yeah. So what are we doing? There's enough move and change mm -hmm. that people got to make a difference or we're going to just be stuck in our same old ways. Right. So, so speaking of some of that change, I was kind of curious what you thought of with everything that's happened uh, with COVID, I mean, how much do you yes. think that's, that's kind of affected people? And I'm kind of curious, oh. you know, because all of March and April, you're locked in your, you know, you're not supposed to go outside. You're not like, how much do you think that's kind of affected the psych psychological uh, aspect of a lot of different people and, and kind of that mental game that you're all about, right? I mean, I think, I think it's caused more problems psychologically yeah. than it ever has from a health healthcare standpoint. I don't discredit how mm -hmm. contagious this is, how many people it affects, sure. and the people that it is. I'm not one that discredits the science behind what they figured out with COVID. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what I also feel is we have weighed that greater than we've weighed the psychology of families, mm -hmm. connection, human interaction. Yeah. And I have found more business when COVID went down yeah. Yes, we struggled for a bit because everyone was flying in from all over the country to come to our clinic and then no travel was. So we were kind of like, well, this, we got some chill time. Yeah. But then the local patients here, we noticed the anxiety ramp up, the uneasiness ramp up, mm -hmm. the anger ramp up in people. It's because they didn't have an outlet. They didn't yeah. have anything. People weren't going to the gym. And they're not runners, right? The outside, the people that were runners this whole time, they were like, oh, sweet, I can still do my therapy. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's a big problem is the number of exercise, those things that aren't changing mm -hmm. is really, really, really important. So from my standpoint, the COVID has caused a an uneasiness, right? No yeah. one knows what to happen and it can bring out like people could say, dude, I had no anxiety. And then since COVID I've been suicidal. I think in the yeah. first three weeks of COVID, mm -hmm. I saw about 60 patients that were suicidal wow. because uh, they just all of a sudden this mass hysteria of not knowing, not knowing what's to come, yeah. right? Yeah. Not knowing what's the next step, not mm -hmm. knowing if it's going to change, if it's going to go away. And so the psychology of it 
yeah. made people really nervous. And people today are still nervous. I mean, people are doing I'm some crazy nervous, stuff, yeah. uh, you know, mask or non-mask, right? Mm -hmm. Like people are shooting each other, stabbing each other because yeah. of a mask or not a mask. It's crazy. Like, that to me is instability, instability of the mm -hmm. human psyche has nothing to do with the mask itself, yeah. right? And so I just think that that needs to be taken in consideration that mm -hmm. we as a human people need people. We yeah, need, we need interaction. Sure. Yeah. Like even Zoom is awesome being with you, but I, yeah. I think I would get 10 times more out of this if I was in the room with right. you, Bobby, yeah. than yeah. just sitting on a Zoom. Zoom's great, mm -hmm. but it's the interaction that we're not getting, the connection that our brains light up when we're yeah. in the room. We're just, it's great to Here see you, but yeah, I'm just not getting I'm not really the same. There. Yeah, yeah. No, there, is, yeah. there is something to that, that, that interaction and that, that kind of connection, you know, and it's tough when you come on, coming on and doing this because there is the, the, uh, you, there is the delay, right? Like mm -hmm. it, it makes it difficult to be like, Oh yeah. Like I, you know, I don't want to cut you off cause I know it's going to be a three minute delay before you're like, Oh, what was it? What, uh, so, you know, it definitely makes, uh, makes things a little bit challenging for sure. And so that, you know, the next time we do this, we'll definitely, uh, you know, the, the plan is to have, you know, a studio and do it in person. So beautiful. Uh, yes, I love it. We will, we will definitely, uh, definitely get to that. Well, yep. Dr. Hatch, uh, thank you very much for taking the time. I know you're a busy man and uh, you're you got to get to the family. So uh, thank you very much and uh, have a great, have a great rest of your day. Yep. You too. And I look forward to reading that book. Send me more. Yes. As uh, you read them, send me more. Basis of brain, brain rehab for you, your book. It's a great read. It was definitely one of the ones Thank I got you. to this year and, uh, places for uh, people to kind of follow along. It's uh, what brain rehab clinic.com. Yep. And we have a YouTube channel brain rehab, uh, clinic, uh, YouTube channel. If they, okay. I just come post different videos. We're also coming out with the second edition of the book should be uh, out here in the next three to four weeks. Three to four weeks. It's cool. the clinical experience. So people can see the testimonials, what people have gone through. That book was really based on teaching the, the science behind it. This one is application and how it applies to you. So um, the next edition is going to be great. We've been working on it for a while now. So perfect. We'll follow excited. along there. And then uh, Instagram, any other so social uh, media to yes, check out? Yes, just all brain rehab clinic. Brain all rehab everything clinic. brain rehab clinic. Perfect. Yep. Well, thanks a okay. lot. All, all right. right. Take care. Thanks, everybody. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks a lot for listening in. I really appreciate it. Please make sure to take the time to like, share, and subscribe our show. And also you can follow along on Instagram. Thanks.